Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good, 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 good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your peace and for your goodness and for loving us and for being so faithful to us. And I just, I just thank you this morning. And um, Holy Spirit, speak through me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. It's good to be here this morning. I'm going to dive right in. It's like I'm always running out of time. <laughs> so... I mean, I'm not running out of time. If you run out of time, then I guess it's not. Anyway, I will. I'm going to go in um, Luke, first Luke. You know, I don't know why they call it. You know, it's first Luke. It's the only Luke, so it is technically the first Luke. So I tell my son all the time. I was like, "You're my favorite son," and he's like, "Dad, I'm your only son." And I was like, yes, you are. <laughs> so it is still my favorite. So anyway, um, in Luke chapter, I'm, see, I like Luke because it starts out a lot of, like, I love it around Christmas time because it's, it's announcing Jesus, it's announcing Yeshua, it's announcing his grace and his goodness and the coming. Like, like before Jesus, we, we had, um, <clears throat> like, everyone was trying to get good enough right and they're trying to get God to be in their lives and they had to go to a temple you know to worship God and then when Jesus came he revealed in us from the beginning of time that we are the temple and so we are the temple of the holy spirit and so it changed the world it it turned everything that so many people had thought for years and years and turned it upside down on its head and, and it was just the opposite of everything they thought. In fact, to the point when Jesus was going down, like we, we see on um, Good Friday, when the Passion, when Jesus coming into the city and they're laying the palms, you know, on, or the no, Palm Sunday, not, not Good Friday. But um, anyway, so they're laying it and fanning the, you know, and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Baruch Ababa, Shemad Adonai, blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. They were like, here comes the king, and they seen the king. And they're like, this is the king. And they had the right idea. Because Jesus was the king. But they were looking on everything on the outside. And God was like, you know what? I'm going to change the focus from the outside and I'm going to put it on the inside. And so it comes from a point where, where like through the Torah, Jesus, like it's all in there from the very beginning. He's trying to give us hints, clue after clue after clue. And then we get in this aspect where we're always trying to work and work and work and work and work. And can I gain this? Can I earn this? Can I earn your grace? Can I earn your peace? It's not something you earn. It's something that was a free gift that God gave us because he loves us. Right? And so... When we realize how big of a moment it is when God sent his son, his only son, the son that he loved, and he put it in there and, and t- tells us, this is my beloved, this is my son 
whom I'm well pleased, right? This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased when he was baptized, right? And Jesus floated up out of the water, right? I mean, if you need a clue, who is he, right? That's Jesus. Jesus is the visible image of God. He's the face of God. In Hebrew, we do a blessing. And it starts out that way. It's the, the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, right? But it's making his face shine. And so when, in Hebrew, when you see that face shining, it's like, like not, not someone who's mad. It's almost like a picture of like when you see a new little baby. I, my, my oldest granddaughter just turned 10 yesterday. And I'm like, how can that be? Because I still look like I'm 29. <laughs> and I was like, like, like this is, no one's going to believe she's my granddaughter, you know? And most people probably won't believe I got grandkids, right? And I got one more on the way. It'll be here in into August, you know, uh, my um, my grandson. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But you, everybody looks at a baby and they're like, oh, that's the ugliest thing I ever saw. <laughs> Right? No, even when they're not, even if you think they're ugly, you don't look at them like, you rotten thing. You know what I mean? It's like, even if you think they're ugly, they're cute, right? Because they're a baby, right? And so when we see God's face shining, what he's really doing, and he's looking on us, and he's looking like we look at a baby like, wow, how did that get here? Right? Kind of like me going to a pastor and finding a baby cold. I'm like, Wow, how did that get here? And then I want to be mad because I got to feed it, right? But eventually, but then I'm not mad because I like I really fall in love with it. And I'm like, oh, you're so cute and you're so sweet, and you're and that's how God loves us. And that's what He's talking about: how He makes His face to shine upon us. And so, so not just upon us, like He's looking upon us, but we can see His face shining upon us out too. Does that make sense? Why? Because Christ in us, right? In us is the hope of glory. In him we live and move and have our doing. Have our what? Being. Being? Did I get that wrong? I thought, you sure? Yeah. Right. In him we live and move and have our being. Right? When I was in school, they called us human doings. They're like, you are a human doing, right? No. no, but we live like that so much of the time, and it's backwards, it's upside down, it's on its head. It goes all the way back to when, when Moses come down with the Ten Commandments, and, and these people had the opportunity to walk into freedom, and, and he's like, here's the Ten Commandments. And he's like, you've got to keep them all. In fact, if you don't keep them all, you're, if you miss one of them, guess what? You're guilty of all of them, right? And do you know what they said? We got it, boys. <laughs> like, they done messed up how many times before they even got there? Like, they had great faith there. It didn't matter if they were at the Red Sea. It didn't matter of when the plagues were coming or, or when the Egyptians were in Pharaoh made it even harder for them, right? When Moses said, let my people go. And here's something that, that here's a key, too, for us to remember from that is sometimes... When you're going to another season, that old season falling off, it's not that easy. 
It's hard. And we look at it and think, oh no, everything's falling apart. And what's really happening is everything's falling into place. If we can just trust God. And that's what was happening with, with, the, um, with the Israelites at that time. Pharaoh's heaping stuff and heaping stuff on him and making it harder and making it harder. And every time he did, God's like, you just watch. I got the last word. Watch what I'm going to do because I'm still the king of all the kings. Even though, Pharaoh, you think you're a king. Right? And so here they were breaking free. It reminds me, too, of a guy named Chuck Yeager. Anybody ever hear of Chuck Yeager? First dude to break the, the, the light barrier. <laughs> See, you guys know your stuff. I get in full of you, right? So someone's got to break the light barrier, don't they? Eventually. Yeah. So probably not. <laughs> hey, we can have goals, right? So, so... Um, he tried and he tried and crashed. And one day, everything felt like it was going to fall apart. And he was like rattling and racing. And as he's trying to break and go faster and go faster, then all at once something happened. And you know what happened? He crashed and had to try again. And then he did it again. And guess what happened? It's rattling and you're like, you think nothing's going to happen. And then whew, he went through. And do you know what happens when you break the sound barrier? It smooths out, man. And you're going at the speed of sound. Right, not light. Right. Speed of sound. And, and it changed the world. What if what God is doing in your life right now will impact the lives of millions and you do not even know it. We look at things and we, we see, the Bible says don't, don't, don't despise small beginnings. You never know what God wants to birth out of you because He wants to birth great things out of you, Right? Sometimes coming from, from those changes, it, it, actually, let me, let me read this because I'm never going to get to it if I keep doing this, okay? <laughs> so it says, in the time of Herod, I'm reading from Luke, I'm going to jump to five. In the time of Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. Now watch this. This is this is BC. Well, kinda. He's in the womb, right? So technically, he's it's not like when you count before Christ when he was born or when he was conceived. Uh, when he's conceived, right? So anyway, I'm going beyond that, right? But when we celebrate before Christ, this this was this was before the cross. Now watch, it says this, both of them were upright in the sight of God. Now catch this one more time. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. You know what God's like, hey, these dudes are righteous. You know what he was saying? They're righteous. And they weren't righteous because they were good. They were righteous because of the sacrifice. You hear what I'm saying? And so now, but listen to this. 
it does say that they they were observing all of the Lord's com- commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now, if you can get the gravity of what they're really saying, think about that. There's like they were living their life blamelessly. How how were they? Well, I don't believe that they were perfect, but I do believe that they were living perfectly with in in how they were supposed to live right there. They were going to the temple. They were using the temple sacrifices and they 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 had a good heart. They had a heart for God and they had a heart for people and they were going about they had dedicated their life to God. See, Zechariah was Zechariah was a priest. He'd given his life to God and 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 his wife um they're they're both descendants of Aaron and so they're they're of the priesthood and so What's really cool to me is it's saying both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. And because of that, their life was perfect. They had everything they wanted. They never had any problems. Right? And that's what the Bible said. It says this, but, man, sometimes buts are good and sometimes I don't like them. Just like, just get the butt out of the way, right? But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Huh, sound familiar? Sounds like the story of Abraham. Sounds like the story of Isaac, remember? Sounds like, like, like the story of Hannah. Like This is a priest. This is a dude that knew the Scriptures. He didn't just know the Scriptures, but he lived the Scriptures. This is a man that had a heart from God, for God, but apparently for them to be mentioning this, it had to be something that was really, really on their heart, man. Like, oh, well, maybe they didn't want kids. Or maybe, no, he's telling them, hey, they were barren. Hey, they didn't have any, they didn't have the ability to have kids. And he's telling, telling you how. And so, can you imagine what their thought process could have been at times? God, I love you, but why is this happening to me? God, you're, you're my king and you're my savior, but why is this happening to me? God, I serve you, but why is this happening to me? All of us go through seasons and times where it feels like it's barren, where it feels like we're not productive, or not just reproducing, but we're just not productive. It, like, like, am I the only one who goes through seasons like that? Where, where you're like, man, I don't know what's going on, but it just seems like no matter what I do, it just doesn't work out. And, and you keep hitting your head against the wall and your head against the wall and your head against the wall. And you're like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, I should just give up. And then, you know, you can't give up because we're all stuck here. Remember, I remember I was in grade school and my cat died. And this little cat in his bandit. And I prayed and prayed for this cat. And, and I was so discouraged. And so I go to school and I go to a music class and there's a song that comes on by Blood, Sweat, and Tears called Spinning Wheel. <laughs> spinning Wheel, spinning around, you know. Stop the, ride the painted pony, let the merry-go-round. It's just like pretty much you're not going to get off this planet. 
So I was just like, well, that didn't encourage me. <laughs> right? And I'll never forget that because it, it made, one little thing made an impact in my life that probably might not have been the best impact where you get these mindsets of, you know what, I guess I'm just stuck. I guess there's just no hope. I guess I'm just never going to get out of it. Sometimes, um, one, of, one of my entrepreneur mentors always said, um, he's way cool, you know. You know, you look at him, you think he's got everything, you know, or think he passed, but you think he'd had everything going on. But, it, but he, he said, said um, just keep failing until you succeed. He said, because um, you only lose if you quit when you fail. He said, just keep going. I was watching this show alone. Anybody ever see it? Where they drop these dudes off in the middle of nowhere and they have to live. And it, if they, whoever survives the longest gets $500,000 at the end, right? And these guys are expert survivalists. But do you know how many times they fail? Over and over and over. Some people can't handle it and they tap out and they're gone. They want to be rescued. I want out of this. But the ones who just keep going, who just keep moving, those are the ones that, that finish. One step at a time. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So if he's ordering our steps, you think maybe? He didn't say he'd make a step everywhere we wanted to step. And sometimes we step out in the wrong place. And then he's like, well, you messed up. You're on your own now, right? No. He says, oh, I'll make that work for you too because I'm that good, right? And so it's, it's cool to watch that thing. But here, here's Zechariah, man. My heart goes out to him as I read the Scripture because I'm just thinking, man, you had a heart for people and you had a heart for God. Put this one empty thing in your heart that didn't seem to get... But apparently, it didn't stop him. You know why? Because he kept moving forward. How do I know that? Because of the next verse, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. It was a chance, man. You, you, you know, there's no oops in God. Do you think there was a chance that was by chance that God chose him? Would you think that's by chance that he ended up where he was supposed to be at that time? It says it's by lot. It was not, but it, there's no oops in God. God didn't go, oops, I didn't mean for you to draw that. I was hoping he drew that lot. You know, pick, up, pick the sticks, man. Do you ever get that? The long sticks that are like here and here and here. And, and you're, you're like, well, this one's longer, this one's shorter. And you, you know, that's what, that's what he was doing. And he got it. But there is no oops in God. There's oops in me. right? Actually, there's a dude in Texas. His name was Oops. Like, who would name your kid Oops? Only a Texan, right? No offense. I got lots of friends in Texas. But seriously, who would name your kid Oops? Right? There's no oops in God. And this wasn't just by... It wasn't just by um, lot or chance, but I believe it was by divine 
order because God had a plan for him. Guess what? One day of labor is worth a thousand days, or one day of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. All you need is one day for God to shine his face upon you in this realm and change your life. Just one moment. Those things that look hopeless, that desire you have that looks like it's, oh man, it's not working out. Is this really even from God? The Bible says God gives us the desires of our heart. A lot of us think, oh, well, I desire that, so he's going to give it. But I don't believe it starts there. I believe it starts with he gives us the desires of our heart. So he can give us the desires of our heart. It's inside thing. Everything's an inside thing with God. There was an, something on the outside looked really good to everyone, including God. But God says, there's something inside you, Zechariah, that I want to fix. There's something inside that there's something that's causing your wife to cry and to weep and to look at other people who are having kids and grandkids and wishing that she had had that opportunity and, and looking like it, it's like over and it's hopeless. But I'm telling you something. He's the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God who can breathe life into anything you need life breathed into. What's your? What's your baby? What's in your heart? What's that desire God's given in your heart? What's that thing that maybe you prayed for and believed God for, and like you're like God, I don't understand. So you just give it to Him. You know what's really cool is when you give God something. He doesn't take and say, "Oh, thank you. You don't need that anyway." He gives it back to you and gives it back to you better than you ever dreamed. And that's what I believe was happening with Zechariah. He kept his feet going. He kept moving. And it says, He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Now, he's, he's in the temple of God. Like, he's a priest in the temple of God. Like, if I'm going to see an angel appear, it's probably going to be there. Right? That's where I would think, right? But here, Zechariah, he's not a young whippersnapper. It's like, oh, I got out of Bible school, you know, and here I'm going into the temple, and, and then all of a sudden, this is a priest who had been in the priesthood for years and years and years and went in there and in there, and then he's sitting there, he, he's at the altar of incense. And you know, incense represents, you know what? The Bible talks about prayer being a sweet fragrance to God. And that's what the altar of incense is representing here. It's representing our prayers, right? And so when he went and he lit that, guess what? The angel appeared. Guess what? There's power when you pray. We don't just do it because, you know, oh, well, the Bible makes me do it. You know, I learned it in Sunday school. I got to do this, right? There is power 
in prayer because we're coming with God and we're coming in one with God and we're like like I've I'm trying to to pray um, from my spirit I want to pray out of my spirit so I close my eyes why do we close our eyes the Bible says you go into your closet right uh, with God and then when you come out what what you do in your closet is revealed out open with man what's he talking about he's talking about prayer Right. And so here, can you imagine how many times Zechariah has prayed? And now he's get now we're seeing this incense and this prayer and this angel popping. And he said and he says he's afraid. I'd be afraid, too. Right. Sometimes there's things that make us afraid that maybe we shouldn't be afraid of, though. Right. Because really, this is kind of a fly. Why are you calling it a fly? How many of you guys are afraid of flies? Have you ever bit, get, gotten bit by a horse fly? You'd be afraid of a fly then. Now, how many are afraid of a, of a house fly? One single house fly. How many of you look at that and like, Oh my God, it's a house fly and run. None of us. Do you know Why? Because it has no power. In Timothy, it says this, 2 Timothy, it says, For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. Think about that. How many of us... Like, I, I worry sometimes... Uh, not about about things not just in my life and my walk but like a lot in the in even in our um, faith driven community because we should be faith driven not fear based we shouldn't be looking at what we don't want you get what you drive to right we should be looking at the promises and who God is in our life. We all have a story, and I get these stories, and sometimes you've got to tell people your story of what you're going through. But if you get stuck, where are you going to go? You're going to go where you're looking. And if you're looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to keep, you end up wrecked, right? He says, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. Was a, like I used to think of that of that as a spirit that would come up on you, and as I was praying and meditating, I realized that it not necessarily that we are a spirit. Do you know God gave us a spirit, and guess who the spirit is? Me. Hello, my spirit is not a spirit of fear. But then He goes on and says, "The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power." And love and a sound mind. You know what he's saying? He's like, look, that spirit in you that I breathed in you, I didn't give you a spirit of fear to go back into in what the world is and go back into what's what to cowering and being afraid, but I've given you a, a spirit of power, of love. And a sound mind. And our spirit is connected with him. And greater is he that is in us is he that is in the world. Like we're one with him. We have our spirit that, that is united with him, but we have him. Greater is he that is in us. 
than he that is in the world. It's not something that comes upon us to save us. It's something that comes through us. And it totally changes the dynamics of everything around us if we'll just learn to, to trust him, right? Like now, some of us might be not be, be afraid of a fly, because why? A fly has no power. And that's what he's saying. He's like, I created the blacksmith who blows the coals. Isaiah, he says, says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Guess what? The cross mattered. The cross made a difference. Like Paul, I was like, they're, they're like going to kill him or stone him. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, boys. I ain't afraid of you because you ain't got no power. I ain't going anywhere until God says I'm done. And he said, and if you do succeed, <laughs> guess where I'm going? Like, is that a threat? Where's the power in that? There's no power. And that's what's the beauty of the cross and the finished work of Jesus and his resurrection. It made a difference. We shouldn't have to fear anything. Like, you ever mind goes to thinking, and you think, well, and your mind goes like here, and you're like, oh no, that can't happen, that can't happen, that can't happen. One, one, of, one of my mentors taught me, he's, he's like, when you get those thoughts, he's like, let them run out. Instead of resisting it, because when you resist something, you put your focus on it, and what you focus on, you drive towards. And he's like, run it out. He's like, run the right, worst case scenario. Let it run through, and then it's gone. But then put your focus back on where you want to go. Put your focus on who you are. Not just your focus on who you are, but your focus on whose you are. Which is the real reason that we don't have fear. Now the, the king of the universe, the one who created the moon and the stars and the sun and all that, he lives inside you. Do you have to be afraid of? Man, I'm telling you, it's scary sometimes. I'm not telling you you're not going to be afraid. I'm just telling you, we have a different perspective. Who are you going to trust? Linda's got, um, she go out, she does all our landscaping and stuff. And she likes it. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't like mowing the lawn. She's got a ride lawnmower and a weed eater. And she's out there. She just, like, loves it. And so she's out there around the corner and she she um, always has this bush she works around and when she's out there and the snake comes out and and Linda looks at it she's like oh it's you so it goes back in so it come back out and it get mad at her about the third or fourth time she's like she's out there and it come out and it's like hey you're in my spot and she's like it was looking nasty and she said look you better go in there or I'm going to kill you you're lucky to be alive Right? Why was she not afraid of that snake? Because it's got no bite. I mean, it bites you. What's it going to do? It's going to gum you. <laughs> might hurt a little, but there's no venom. Now, if that was a cobra, might be a little bit different story, right? The Bible says, says that the enemy goes about as a roaring lion. Do you know why lions roar? They, they say that it's because they're toothless. Like mo most... Most lions, you know, if they're going to go get their prey, I'm sure they roar for other reasons, right? But he's toothless. He's got no bite because Jesus knocked all his teeth out and flattened his head, right? 
I see Linda's not afraid of that snake. But we had a pest control guy come by. And Linda was watching as he was walking around the corner, coming up, doing his thing. And all of a sudden, he jumps and falls down and goes rolling. And it's like, man, that's the clumsy, clumsiest dude I've ever seen. So he, can, he comes up to the door and he's like, are you all right? Like, ma'am, do you know you have a snake? It's <laughs> like, yeah, I see the snake all the time. What's it? Like, oh, okay, well, the snake's scared, right? And there's things in life that might scare us and might not scare someone else. You don't know what the experiences they had with them. Right? Like you see someone from where I'm from and you see a snake, you pay a lot more attention than Linda who grew up here, right? We got rattlesnakes. You know, in, in August, it's pretty cool when you think about it, how complex snakes are. And so we go out riding horses or checking cows or whatever we're doing and riding up into, I go with my cousins a lot and we ride up into the Jip Hills. And in the Jip Hills, guess what there are? There's rattlesnakes. In fact, they have rattlesnake hunts out there because <coughs> They, they get so many snakes, they have to catch them and thin them out so they don't bite cattle and stuff like that. But most of the time, a rattlesnake will run from you. They'll warn you, but then they'll run from you, right? And so, um, except one time of the year. It's usually around August. And they start shedding. And what happens is when they start shedding is they can't sense or see or feel anything around them like they can. So what, they don't know if it's a predator coming to get them or what. So all they do is strike out. It's the most dangerous time ever to be around them. It's the most dangerous time in their life. But you think that's a really bad thing for that snake. But see, that snake's going from one season... And he's shedding that old season off. And in the midst of that old season, he thinks he's really, really vulnerable. But, and he might be. But pretty soon that, that's going to shed off and he's going to have this nice skin. going to look like my skin. <laughs> it's smooth and slick and pretty. You know? And he's going to step into a new life. those things that he's afraid of. It's really, he's just being birthed into a new life. What are you afraid of? See, because here, Zechariah, he's, he's afraid. He sees an angel. But this angel wasn't there to hurt him. This angel was here with a message. And you know what that message was? When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Like, not just startled and, oh, that's an angel. He's like, oh my God, that's an angel. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John or Yochanan. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Then he went on to talk about how he would take the Nazarite vow, how he would never take wine or fermented drink, and, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. 
Isn't that incredible? Many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord their God. Will he bring back to the Lord their God? And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready for a people prepared for the Lord. Yeah, that incredible? That thing that he was afraid of was the thing that was sending the message that, you know what, I got your back. I put that desire in your heart. I've given you that desire. I'm going to do great things in your life. Will you trust me? That's, that's the question. Will you trust me? Because he's for you. And just watch what he will do. Man, I want to throw something at that clock. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, I'll throw something at you. <laughs> I love this scripture, and I love, I just love these stories. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for your peace. And I just ask that you encourage folks out there and let them know that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in them. And you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so, Father, I just ask right now that you entwine your spirit with theirs and let them feel you living in and through them and just change the world. Breathe life to those areas that seem hopeless and seem like there's no hope at all. I just thank you, Father, that that's just ripe for a miracle and we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www dot silverlakebaptist dot o r g